0: Paul likens our body to the temple. I was saying that the outer core is the the physical body, represents the outer core, which interfaces with the world. And that's why, you know, um, evil spirits cannot cannot engage with this world unless they're in a physical body. That's why they either, whether it's a human being or an animal, right? Don't want to go into that into detail. Um, and then, and then you have uh, your soul, which is your emotions, your mind, your character. That is the inner core. So there's the outer core, the inner core, is your soul, your emotions, your mind. And then there's the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is your human spirit. And the Holy of Holies, remember, is where the Ark of the Covenant um, rested. The Ark of the Covenant was the instrument, again, was the instrument to which God manifested his presence. So in the, in the Holy of Holies, Was the Shekinah, was the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and only the high priest could enter into the Most Holy Place, and only with the blood of animals, so they would make a sacrifice, uh, a lamb for his own sins, for the sins of his family, and for the sins of Israel, and only once a year could he enter in through the tent, uh, through sorry, through through. this thick curtain that separated the most holy place from the outside world. And you know, do you ever use the word awesome when you talk about God? I think you use it too much actually. What I mean is that when when the high priest, with the blood with the blood of the sacrifice in one hand and the incense in the other, walked towards the curtain. I'm sure he went with fear and trepidation and trembled. And when he stepped into the very presence of God, it was with awe. It was for him an awesome experience. And he went with reverence. And it was just an amazing encounter that you'd have. And when um, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And Jesus became the perfect sacrifice once for all time. That willingly he gave up his life as he hung the cross. He gave up his spirit to the Father. And he said, it is finished. And in that moment, when the Father accepted this perfect sacrifice once for all time, there was an earthquake. The curtain that separated the most holy place, the holy holies, from the, from the outside world was torn in two from top to bottom to show that the way had been made open to every man, woman, child. In that earthquake, there was, a, there was a kingdom explosion through the tearing of the veil to of the curtain with the release of God's presence into the world. That the dead were raised back to life, the Bible says. And Jesus said this, he said to his disciples that he was, he was going away, and the disciples wanted to go with him. Of course, Jesus was saying, I'm going to the Father. He was talking about his, his ascension. And they said, We want to come with you. And he said, Well, you can't, not right now. But uh, I'm not saying I'm not leaving you here alone as orphans. I'm sending another lightning, a counsel, the Spirit of truth, and not only be with you, but will live in you. And the moment that we believed in Him, the moment we received Him, we became children of God. The moment we invited Jesus into our life and asked Him to come, to be the Lord of our, of our life, the Holy Spirit of God made His dwelling place within our, within our human spirit. Because God is a Holy Spirit, and He communes through our human spirit. That's how we initially commune with God, spirit to spirit, deep to deep. If God would just give us that one revelation, that that living within us, and our body is a temple, and that living within us is the Holy Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us, not only would everything change around us, but our lives would change, and everything around us would change, the environment would change, it's just the revelation of the understanding, which changes everything. It's a change of mindset, it's a change of perspective. But you begin to realize that, you know, we. Jesus said this My kingdom is not of this world. And that's a problem for us in the West. Because we're brought up with, uh, you know, we go to school and you're brought up with uh, (laughs) logic, rational thinking, and science. I have absolutely, I love science. I just love the way that science just keeps revealing more of the glory of God. Do you know what holds the whole universe together? Do you know what the scientists call call, call this? Calls what holds us together, what holds... The atoms together it holds everything that you, that you can see and feel, and the whole universe. Do you know what they call it? That holds everything together. They call it the strong force. <coughs> there's nothing. There's nothing holding the atoms together. Just space, but it's the most powerful thing in the universe. And without it, we would just roll up into flames, we just explode. And we're told that that Jesus is, you know, when the Father conceived of you, in his mind, when he's thinking of the fellowship, of the love, of the communion that he would have with you, and he thought of this, the most perfect, beautiful, wonderful creation that would relate to him and the Holy Spirit, who hovered at the edge of time of creation, waiting in anticipation for the word to be spoken. And the word was spoken, and Jesus' word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was spoken. Let there be light. And instantly, light came. The Word is the, is the creative force. The Holy Spirit is the one that puts that Word into action. And we're told that he, Jesus holds all things together by his mighty Word. All things are held together. The scientists just have to read the Bible. That's why many scientists become Christians. They read the Bible and say, Science discovers. All things are held together by his mighty word. He spoke and it was. And that's interesting to know that when we we minister healing. Because when you begin to speak with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, atoms and matter begin to move in obedience to the word of God spoken, so wealth is called. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. That to understand that you have the Holy Spirit of God, this creative uh, person, loving, gentle, powerful, living inside of you, who is Jesus, who makes Jesus real to us. Jesus right now, you know, um, is seated at the right hand of the Father. So when Jesus died on the cross, on the third day he was raised back to life, he spent 40 days with his disciples. And what did he talk to them about? He, talked to them, he spoke to them about the kingdom. He wanted them to have an understanding of the kingdom, of kingdom authority and power. And when, most probably when the Lord said says, to you, now you've got it, he ascends into heaven. When he sits at the right hand of the Father, on a throne of power and authority. This is his kingdom, of which we are citizens of, and the moment that we believe in him and receive him, we become children of God. God becomes our father. Heaven is our home. We are children of heaven, citizens of God's kingdom. We become heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. And God has raised us up with Jesus and has seated us with him. Can you imagine that right now? Whether you know it or not, whether you feel like it or not, you're seated with Jesus. You're constantly in the presence of the Father. Did you know that? You're seated with Jesus. And you have a seat at the king's table. You know what that means? You can come and go whenever you like. It's a privileged position. We didn't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it and go whenever we like. We can boldly approach the throne of God. Whenever you want it, God is your father, best and Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he says, you're my ambassador. You're my representative of earth. Didn't I say to you that you're going to do greater things than I've done when, when I was when the father? I give you my authority. That's what the Lord says. I delegate my authority to you. Because all authority in the heaven and earth has been given to me. I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. And quite simply, what the Lord is saying there, is he gives you authority. Because keys are a symbol of authority, that's all. He's saying, whatever you speak on earth, I will back up from heaven. So I give you authority. And what we need is the revelation of the authority that Jesus has given to us. Paul prays for the Ephesians. I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we will will know him better. We need to know Jesus better. We need to know this inheritance that we all have. Incredible inheritance. We've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians says this incomparably great power available to us who believe. What does incomparably mean? Anyone? Nothing compares. Think of the most powerful force in the universe. The Bible says that powers and principalities, titles, dominions, everything has been placed under the feet of Jesus. Sickness, disease, anything you like to encounter in death itself has been placed under the feet of Jesus and he rules and reigns. He has authority over all things. He delegates that same authority to you to me. How much authority does it take? How power does it take to move a mountain from here to there? Jesus said this to his disciples. Well, remember when Jesus cursed a fig tree and the fig tree withered at its roots? And Mark, Mark chapter 11, Verse 22-23, you know, Peter, they were going by this fig tree, and Peter says, teacher, the fig tree that you've cursed is dead. What he's saying is, how how is that possible? He's trying to work it out logically how how that's possible. And then Jesus says, have faith in God. It's a good place to start. To have faith in God. To believe that, that God is the God of the impossible who believes that nothing is impossible for those who believe in him. Do you know that? God believes that nothing's impossible for you. He says, have faith in God. And then he says, I tell you the truth. Can you imagine you having to say to your disciples, I'm telling you the truth? Why is he saying that? Because he's, he's saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just about to tell you something you're going to find hard to grasp. You may even doubt what I'm saying. You may not even believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. Trust what I'm saying. I tell the truth. If anyone, okay, hands up if you're anyone. I'm glad there's a nobody's here. If anyone says to this mountain, I just want to be careful. Are there any mountains over here? This vicinity is quite flat. Okay, great. It's Not an island. That's probably the highest point where you are. All right, okay. So if anyone says to this mountain, I just want to be careful just in case. You know, who knows? You wake up in the morning and some mountain has moved. <laughs> if anyone says to this mountain, jump into the sea. and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what his mouth says will happen, it will be done for him. So if you don't doubt in your heart, and believe in what you say will happen, it will be done for you. What does that mean? It means that you have to trust God with a childlike faith. And in fact, Jesus said, unless you become my children, you will not see the kingdom of God because you have to have a childlike faith. A childlike faith that says, that says, when your daddy says something to you, you believe everybody he says. Right. You remember when you were so young, at a young age, when you believed every word that your parents said to you. Yeah. You have to have a childlike faith to believe what Jesus says. And to trust him, even though everything in this world is saying the contrary. So what you have to do is, is the kingdom has to be the reality. God's kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, has to become your reality. And you need to, to lean into his presence, to lean into that reality, and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. So when Jesus spent the, those 40 days with the disciples, and do you remember Peter and John when they were going to the temple to pray? After, when Jesus descends into heaven, can you, can you imagine? If you were one of the disciples, you've just seen your Lord cruelly tortured, on a cross, died, and then buried. And, you know, the disciples were despondent, they were upset. They thought all was lost. They couldn't even believe, some couldn't even believe it when they heard that Jesus was alive. And then when Jesus appears, Imagine seeing Jesus appear. You've seen him crucified, speared, then buried. He's alive. Those disciples, wherefore? Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. When they saw the resurrected Christ they knew no, nothing was impossible and Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom and they got it and when they see this crippled beggar sitting at the, at the temple gate you know, beautiful and he's looking for money and Peter says to the beggar instead of like hiding his face he says look at us because he's got something to share. He says, silver and God, I don't have, but what I have, what I have, I give to you. And what God is wanting the church to grasp hold of is what it is, it's made available to us. And in the next breath, what he does, he begins to exercise the authority that Jesus gave. In the name of Jesus Christ and that's Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know the rest of the story. It's completely healed. And through that healing, Um, Peter gets the opportunity to preach thousands, know, thousands can run to Solomon's colonnade it's a wonderful story and they believe when they see this man
1: so you're a citizen of God's kingdom
0: what does it mean to be an ambassador it means that you represent the kingdom the ground that you stand on becomes and represents the kingdom of God You carry the very presence of the Holy Spirit within you. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. And if you if you develop the awareness of His presence, it's amazing. When you acknowledge Him, when you make Him ever present, always at the forefront of your mind, even when you are at work or you are doing whatever, you can talk to Him. You talk to the Lord throughout the day. He's ever present. And you develop and nurture and carry his presence. And then you become kingdom-minded and that we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. That's 2 Corinthians 4.18. Hebrews 3 basically says it's out of the invisible, the visible was made the kingdom of God is far superior to this earthly one which is temporary. So we are carriers of divine presence and we are a royal priesthood. We carry the Holy Spirit of God like the Levite priests. And you remember Joshua when um, Joshua was leaving the Israelites and God said to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. Remember when he said that? Then he said, be strong and very courageous. Then he said, have I not commanded you? This is what I have to say to God constantly. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will give you all the ground that your feet tread on. Wherever your feet tread, whatever footstep you take, I will give you that ground. And, you know, God had to encourage, we have to be strong and courageous. Courage doesn't mean there's, there's no fear. If I can tell you how many times I've been fearful, some of the stuff that God's told me to do, and the way He's sent me it sometimes. But despite the fear, I said, I will be courageous. I will be bold. I will be strong. I refuse discouragement. I refuse to be terrified. Here we go. And it's amazing when you trust the Lord in that way and you go. It's amazing what the Lord will do. And when when God was leading Israelites into the promised land, do you remember the story? There's the River Jordan. It's in full flood, it's an impossible obstacle. And the promises of God are on the other side of the river. See, God makes his promises, and it's always the obstacle. It's always the impossible place. But what the Israelites have to do, they had to break camp. So, first of all, they had to break camp, they had to leave base camp. We have to leave the building. And then they have to step into the impossible. The priests carry the presence of God. So they're carrying his presence. They go before the Israelites. Here's the river Jordan. It's not just the ordinary. It's in full flood. It's impossible to cross. But they step into the impossible place. As they step, as their feet touch the water, the water stops flowing. It piles up in a town called Adam. Miles down there. Upstream. And it starts to pile up and go into outer space. Can you imagine that? I would love to have seen that. The river going up into a column, into outer space, as a sign and a wonder to everyone around that the children of the children, God's children, had come into the area. Everyone could see the river going up as a column into <laughs> outer space as well. But signs and wonders only follow those who believe. Sometimes we wait believing that God's going to do a sign and wonder, but it doesn't happen until you actually step into the impossible. They follow. Signs and wonders follow. You have to take the step, a bold step. Sorry. If you want to learn to walk on water, you have to get your feet wet. Okay? They stepped in and then they had to stand firm as they stood firm they enable the Israelites to step into all the promises of God and when we, as carriers of God's presence as a royal priesthood step out into the streets when we do human streets it's releasing the presence of God into the streets and it enables people to begin to encounter God to experience it when um, When we first went out to the streets, the very first time we set up our banner, we set up the chairs, we were ready to go. We got everyone together to pray. And I I remember one of the team praying this, Lord, that the people of Coleroy and those visiting would bow their knee to me. And suddenly the Holy Spirit was like speaking to me. But what about you, Mark? Would you bow the knee to me? That's a good question, isn't it? So I'm feeling challenged, as I said to you guys, I just feel we should bow, we should kneel on the street. The moment we knelt on the street, something amazing happened. You know God is already there on the streets. You know his presence is already there. You know that he has been waiting for his church to meet with him when we go out there. He's working on the streets. He's already doing the work for a long time. He's waiting patiently for his church to join him. So his presence is already there. But as we knelt, something happened within us personally. And it was like the tearing of the curtain within our own spirit. And there was like a release of God's presence that flooded the area. It was incredible. You know, we we sometimes wonder, where does the presence of God come from? Does does His presence come from above? Or from over there? No, His presence comes from within us. That out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. Because this is where the Holy Spirit lives. His presence is from within us. And when there is a turn of the curtain and the release of God's presence, the kingdom breaks out. That things start to happen around you, you don't have to do anything, do you know that? Just the awareness of his presence being released, there was an increase in his presence. Have you ever wondered why uh, people invite the Holy Spirit to come? We ask for, Lord let your presence come, and his presence is already there. But wonder, because he gives his spirit without them, there is more to his presence than we have ever, ever experienced. Did you know that it's possible for the presence of God to be so thick on the streets that no one can walk through it? Could you imagine that? There's a thick cloud, what's that? And no people are going touch it Can you imagine that? 1859 almost touched that in Coleraine, right where we did the English Streets. Right in the diamond square, bodies were all over. Revival broke out. And bodies were all over the diamond square. Doctors were there thinking it was a plague, but everyone was healthy. I said, this has got to be God. All the, the ministers and the, the church, churches, all working together. And I so said, they went from one to another like they were ministry to corpses. Eventually, it started to get dark. I said, what are we going to do? We can't leave these bodies out here. So they decided to carry the bodies into the town hall, which was meant to open with a ball, because it was just, it was just a unit built. But instead of being open with a ball, it was used by Christians who prayed day and night all through the revival. And a doctor writing for what he witnessed inside the town hall said, what he witnessed there perhaps has not been seen since Jesus walked the earth, tantalizing. But I want to tell you that the presence of God is so thick that no one can walk through it. And we haven't yet experienced that. So you know there's more. You've had you encounters with God, and you said, oh, that is so amazing. I can't. Believe. You know, I, I was telling Steve about a story about this, this man on the street, a young man called Michael. And I was asking the miracle question. And, uh, and he said to me well actually not you know I don't really think God exists but he's being very polite he's sort of a polite young man he said you know I've, I went to church with my parents I've never had an encounter with God um, I really don't think he exists so I said okay Michael just for conversation let's just say God does exist and he loves you and he wants to make himself known to you. If there was one thing, could, if there was one prayer he could answer for you to reveal that he's real he loves you right now, what would you ask him to do for you? He said, well, that's easy. I would ask God to, to reveal himself to me right now. I said, can I pray for you? <laughs> he went, yeah. So I began to invite the Holy Spirit to come and see the Holy Spirit resting in me. And then I put my hand over his heart and I said, now Lord Jesus knock on the door of his heart. And I almost felt his heart burst through my hand. And his heart went, and he said, whoa, whoa, what's that? What's that? So it's Jesus knocking the door of your heart. And then I I keep praying, and then the Lord begins to speak to him about some things, relationship to do with his, his father. I began to speak, you know, God was revealing something, some words on him, some insight about his relationship with his father. And then, and then he began to hear what his heavenly dad wanted to say to him. And as I'm doing this, he says, I've got, I've got to lie down. Because he couldn't stand up anymore. We have these granite seats outside the town hall. He was flat out like this, laid out like this. People walking by thinking, "Is he okay? Is he drunk?" What's he? We just left him there. Kept an eye on him from, from a distance. We just left him. He was gone. Gone into the presence of God. And then finally, when he came to, his head was between his knees for ten minutes, and he looked at me. He said, "I've never experienced anything like that before. I went away for three weeks." traveling and I came back three weeks later and on a Sunday night in church, there I saw Michael he said, Mark, I didn't want anyone to tell me this I wanted to tell myself I had to come to church the following following Sunday he said, "I've, I've given my life to Jesus now it was amazing what people need is an encounter with God's glory, his presence and his power but when we're on the streets and we're standing there, we release the presence of God. And when we knelt on the street, there was a release that came from within us, really. You could have had a pin drop. The place was thick with the presence of God, thick with his presence. And then people start to come to the chairs. It's easy. Hmm. When they're aware of his presence, and you feel his presence, you go, and, and inwardly begin to worship because you enemy becomes home. You begin to rest in his presence become someone who feels his presence, you sense his presence, you're aware of his presence, and you nurture, inwardly you worship him. Yeah. And then you're waiting for God, and then you're, you're working with the Lord, it's amazing. People would be going by, and one woman, and they'd they begin to encounter God's presence just walking through where we stand. So many people. You could see the Holy Spirit working, and you look at them. I, I would laugh. I just thought it was amazing. I thought it was funny. I thought, because some people want to escape, you know. They're thinking they're escaping religion, but they can't escape Jesus. They're fed up with religion. One woman came with tears in her eyes and she said, What is this presence here? Every time I come by, there's this strong presence. And I feel so emotional. I had to stop. I'm compelled to stop. I went back as far as I could. And his presence is still here. Tell me, is this God? <laughs> oh yes, it's God. People would enc- people are encountering God's presence. So we love when people run run through. We think you think you've got away, but you have not you've just gone through God's presence. You know, so when we're aware so much more is happening. If only God would open our eyes. To see, when we think, oh, you know, people want to see results. I said, well, not many people sitting on the chairs today. Oh, if only God would open our eyes to see that we're influencing, affecting the whole city. Mm-hmm. That his presence is being poured out. That everyone who walks by is being touched <coughs> by his presence. So A woman going by from the bank walks across the diamond square and she's thinking in her mind, maybe she'd go for some prayer. You know, my shoulder. She gets the Marks and Spencers just over here and she's healed. She comes straight over to us in shock. Can you explain what's just happened to me? <laughs> One person said, you've got to get to that place there because God is healing. God is healing people yeah, there. Go and get healed. This woman had heard about healing the streets. She needed healing in desperate, in desperate desperately need of healing, So she came, she didn't have a, a car, but she took public transport, traveled a long way, she got to where we do healing streets. She hung around a bit and she thought, there's nobody here, she got the time wrong. She went to a shop, she asked, excuse me, is this where those people pray? Yes, but I'm sorry, you've got the time wrong. They're, they're not here now. She was so disappointed, she turned around to make her way back home. But as she began to walk to the station, she discovered that God had met with her and she was totally healed. How awesome is God? So this grandfather who lives in a place called Cookstown, it's quite a distance away from us, was so concerned about his grandson. His grandson was depressed, was hearing voices, was self-harming, you know we see scars disappear, you know, people of South Holland, oh, they see scars disappear, dissolve away. Even when the people had metal in their bodies, the metal dissolved away. And the, the operation scars as well. But this young man had been, had been cutting himself. The grandfather is really concerned. So he hears about him in the streets. He brings his son to us. He's, but he's, The grandfather is in a wheelchair. What he didn't wasn't bargaining, was, or di- didn't realise it was going to happen. But not only was his grandson going to be healed, but God was going to heal him as well. The, grands- the grandson was delivered from the depression, the voices, stops out farming. The grandfather was out of his wheelchair. The grandfather couldn't believe it. So he came back the next week with the grandson, just to be sure. Then the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that, he still couldn't believe it. Completely healed. He then says to his brother, who's in his 80s, Tom, says, Tom, you've got to get to that place. God is there. And go get your feet sorted out. Tom's feet, Tom is in his 80s, 82. He has such painful feet. His feet were burning in such pain. And so, Tom Came to us. He started to walk towards us. His feet was in so much pain, burning, and so much pain. By the time he got to us, his feet was completely healed. God has healed his feet completely. And the team asked him what they'd like Jesus to do for him. And he was in a state of shock he couldn't answer. And they realised that God wanted to speak to him about his relationship with him. And they led him to Jesus. And Tom Came to church, loves love church, and became the eldest um, member of the um, Encounter School of Mission a school that we have. You know, that does stuff on the streets. Last year, this was his prayer: Lord, that I would lead one. But he's a brand new Christian. Lord, that I would lead one person to Jesus, and. You know, last time I heard, which is a long time ago, he had led 43 people to Jesus. Mm. How awesome is God! You when you understand that you're a child of God, citizen of God's kingdom, that you're seated with Jesus, that heaven is our home, that we've been given authority, we're an ambassador, we represent Jesus. And Jesus began to speak about the kingdom. So he said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But then he flips it around and says, you are the light of the world. So if you follow Jesus, you will never walk in darkness. And you have the light of the world living inside of you. So, Here's a dark place. You don't want to go there. That's really dark. Oh, it is. Great. <laughs> and what happens? It becomes light. Because darkness never never overcomes light. If you, if you have... Okay, <coughs> just think about it this way. You have a roof. You divide it up. You put a divider in the middle you put a light in one half of the room. Then you drill a hole through the divider. Does the darkness suddenly pour into the right half of the room? No. But light will pour into the dark room. Light always penetrates darkness. Light causes darkness to flee. And it doesn't matter how dark the place is, that God has placed you. If you will step into the darkness, you cause, you cause darkness to flee. You have to realize that he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Jesus said, I have given you the authority to trample, snakes, and scorpions to overcome all the power of the evil one. Nothing at all shall harm you. I, I might prefer to believe Jesus when he says that. than than some of the lies and misinformation that the enemy would seek to feed us with. Jesus said when he was talking about the kingdom he says we are like salt. And salt stops rot adds flavour. And when I, you know, um, I like cooking. 16 years I prepared Chinese for my wife. And um, I mean, I still cook, but this was like regular. Really, for sixty years, every Saturday I would I would prepare like, a really special Chinese for my wife. Made a lot, but I was, when I was learning to cook. You know, I had a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of salt, and a little lid of salt came off, and a whole lot of salt came into the food. You know, so I tried to scoop as much as I could out quickly, and I tasted it. You know, oh, it was so salty! So how do I remedy that? So logically. I added more ingredients. It's still salty so the the pot got bigger. And it got bigger. And eventually it wasn't a meal for two. It was was a meal for like a football team. And it's still too salty. You can't get the salt out. And we are salt. And we are light. And we have to be in those dark places. We have to be in the places where we affect everything around us. It's not the other way around. We affect everything around us. And Jesus says, you're and it will make bread? Yeah? So how much bread, how much yeast do you need for a loaf of bread? Just a little bit. It's a small amount. And sometimes I hear, you know, Christians saying that, but there's so few of us. And the darkness is so great, and there's so much in the scene. It's impossible. All you have to do is get into the dark. When the yeast gets into the dough, something miraculous happens. It spreads through the dough and suddenly gets a loaf of bread. We affect everything around us in the kingdom. And not me. Not that, like, you know, you, whatever you touch, when you've been in the presence of God, when you have this understanding, you affect everything. Because we've done, we have been crucified of Christ and no longer live. Our old lives are dead and buried. But the life we live now, we live by faith in the Son of God. Who loves us in us. Everything um, about us shouts out Jesus. Every step that we take shouts out Jesus. Jesus. If you have the spiritual megaphone? Because you represent him when you go to the supermarket and stretch out your arm to get the can of baked beans off the shelf you would hear this Jesus (laughs) everything about you represents Jesus when you open your mouth to speak what comes out is Jesus you're his ambassador when you when you sit on a chair like public transport on a train or a bus and you leave that sick, You leave behind residue. And I don't mean a stink. <laughs> you leave behind the sense of God's presence, His power, the kingdom, and anyone sitting in that chair after you sat in there can be healed, can be delivered, can encounter God. God can speak to them. Why? Because you sat in there. Do you, do you remember when... Um, the Israelites um, were burying one of their men, and they saw this raiding party come. So they, so quickly, they threw the corpse they're about to bury. They threw it into a tomb. It just happened to be Elisha's tomb. Right, I just, I came from an art, an artistic background, so I picture everything. So I see, I see the corpse rolling into Elisha's tomb. The corpse touches the bones of Elisha. And what happens? He comes back to life. And he walks out of the tomb. I can imagine his, his mates running from him <laughs> rather, than, rather than the raiding party. Why is that? Is there, is there anything you know, magical about Elijah's No, Of course not. But he's been in the presence of God. In the hairs of your head, remember if you have hairs, <laughs> my, my hairs has been scattered to the four winds, blessing many, many people. <laughs> but everything, everything you touch, everything you touch leaves the residue of, of the kingdom. Some of you are, are ministering healing and you're ignorant about it, you don't, don't realise it. So you go to your workplace and you shake the hand of your work it.
1: And they're like they're just having a migraine developing, you know? They know a
0: migraine's coming. And you you shake their hand, you don't know anything about what's going on in in their life. You shake their hand and you go sit down and suddenly and that person goes, Oh my migraine's gone. Where's it gone? (laughs) You're walking down the street and you accidentally bump into somebody, oops, sorry, they're healed. When Jesus had come out of the presence of God, people, you know, begged Jesus to allow them to touch the edge of his garden. And people were touching him because power is coming from him and healing everybody. And what is what Jesus made available there, what he was showing us, was, was that is possible for each one of us. If we're sick in God's presence, it's so important. We're going to finish soon, eh? haven't we, shouldn't God? Why do you do this or so? Yeah, okay. yeah I haven't been able to teach half of what I wanted to. Maybe we'll go into a little bit more tomorrow. Yeah, we can do that. We'll have time tomorrow as well. So we have to be transformed by the renewal of mind. Maybe we should do this while I finish on that. Because you know I said that the, the, the problem Jesus said this my kingdom is not this world so the problem we have in the West is we don't have an understanding of the spiritual kingdom. Where in his in his kingdom nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. Okay? But our mind, the barrier that we have here in the West is our mind. I'm going to share this. You remember um I'll, I'll finish this one quickly as quick as I can anyway, right? Um, when the kingdom of God comes, it is superior in every way. When Jesus walks on water, it's because his kingdom is being released <coughs> at that moment, so he can walk on water. It's a stronger force at work. And you know that the laws of this world say that, that the surface tension of water, you know, of water cannot hold the weight of a human being. But when the kingdom comes, then certainly it can. Because there's a greater force at work. That's why we need the kingdom of God to come. And the presence of God is this power as well. So we need to see that work. So, And whenever the kingdom comes, you know, the dead can be raised, anything, anything, and I mean anything is possible. I could tell you stories that are just mind-blowing, it's because it's beyond um, the the laws of this natural world. So there's certain things that that I'd love to to experience before I go to be with the Lord. You know? So, one thing I'd love to experience is being translated in the spirit. You know, I can be here one moment speaking to you, and next, the microphone drops to the ground, and I'm on a beach in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder, well, what about about my luggage? I know people who've been translated in the spirit, I know know people, what has happened to them. But I always think, well, what about the return journey, Lord? How does that work? Does, does my, will my luggage go with me? <laughs> yeah. So I mean there's some amazing things that can happen. So I want to show you quickly how how um, our minds is, is a barrier. I want to show you only because, just, just to show you what, what needs to change, how our thinking needs to change, to allow the Holy Spirit to give, give us revelation. Ask the Holy to give us revelation. Now, I'll show you this. Please be gracious if here, Okay. Demonstration purposes only. Now, this bottle. If I release this bottle, what's going to happen? I fall to the ground. Why? Did you hear the chorus? Gravity. That means you all went to school. Well done. You learned about Sir Isaac Newton. He sat under an apple tree an apple fell on his head. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know the full story of that, but, you know, he ponders about why that should be, and so, you know, and then he comes up with the law of gravity, which I'm not even going to attempt to try and explain, because it's a lot, you know, I've been pulled up by so many teachers, um, because I haven't explained it properly. It's a lot more than just a larger object, you know, attracting a smaller object. There's a lot more things involved in that. But you know that if I release this bottle, it will fall to the ground. But did you know that if the Kingdom of God comes, this bottle will fly to the ceiling. Wouldn't that be a sight to see? Yeah. But why does that? I mean, remember this. I'm, I'm going I'm to do this, right? For demonstration purposes only. Um, okay? To make a point. But Jesus said, really said, if anyone, you can say to this mountain, jump into the sea. So, so you can actually speak to a mountain and command it to jump. But why wouldn't you do that? Okay, just authority can be misused, abused, misused, misunderstood, lack of wisdom. The, the, the reason why you wouldn't want to, I know we've got to, we've got to finish soon, I'll try to be quick. But the reason why you wouldn't command a mountain to jump into the sea because you, you would cause a tsunami and people would get hurt. So you need real wisdom against our authority, okay? Don't have time to go into that. But just just bear with me, and I'll, I'll demonstrate this. I want to show you. Okay, I want to show you right now. I'm going to command this bottle in the name of Jesus to fly to the ceiling. Okay. So bottle, fly. To the ceiling in the name of Jesus. Okay, what would me? <laughs> what would stop me letting go of this bottle? Fear. Fear. That's a good one. That would really stop me. Definitely. What else? Sorry, mm-hmm. unbelief. That's nothing to stop. What else? Pressure. Sorry. Pressure. Yes. Whatever you said there. Pressure. 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 How about? Okay. Because of time. Um, um. Fear of failure. What will people say? What if it doesn't fly? You know, I'm. to look really foolish. Loss of reputation is definitely a big one. And, uh, you know, all those things will stop you. Fear of man will stop you. Fear of what people are going to think of you will stop you from letting go of the bottle. Okay? Well, I'm not going to let it stop, so let's have a go at this. So, bottle fly to the ceiling in the name of Jesus. Okay, this bottle is a certain fly to the ceiling, let's just say it flies to the ceiling, what do you think would happen in this room? Wow. Okay, quickly, let me just Three scenarios, right? What could happen? First of could be someone just come straight out, straight up here and go, Mark, that's a great trick. I've seen this on television, it's all done in visible streets. Should, if someone up there coming, you can come down you now. Because it's like, you know, you know, because logic starts the logic starts to work in your brain. It's rational thinking, it's that, okay? You're trying to rationalise why that should be. If that's your default position, it's wrong, it's not good. It's a bad default position. Okay? The second group of people may come out, they'll be looking at the ceiling, they're looking at everyone else looking at the ceiling, they can't see the bottom, That's stuck to the ceiling. Because the mind is blanked out, they refuse to see, they can't, the brain is refusing to see what God has done. I've seen people getting healed like miracles, and then people looking, and it's like, there's nobody there. Why? Because the brain is saying. You're not seeing that. It goes against, that goes against everything that you've been taught. You, I ref, you, right now, refuse to let you see that. That happens as well. And the third group of people, which I like to believe is everyone here, is you'll be going, doing cartwheels, backflips, you'll be screaming, sh- shouting, sh- hugging each other. Some of them will come out and they'll go, Jesus! And they'll run out the doors and shout, door, Jesus! And they'll run around the block, Jesus! <laughs> They're running really fast. And somebody, Jesus! You run back in the room. They have a look at the thing. It's still there. Yeah, Jesus! And they run out again. And there'll be people flatten flat faces. and are going to be dancing. They're going be just like children. And that is the proper default position. For whenever God does anything, we should be like children. Believe that, okay? So, we've got to get a go before we go. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble. Well we're gonna be in trouble. Well I don't care. But here we go. So bottle fly to see in Jesus' name. <laughs> did
1: you see that jump? It wants to go.
0: <laughs> it did, it wants to go. I'm telling you. Okay, let's try it one more time. Bottle fly to see. Actually, what would stop me letting go that second time? You go Your experience didn't work. The didn't first time. work the first time. That looked really bad, didn't it? Maybe actually cut that from the tape. <laughs> Let's forget if that ever happened. I will never do that again. Right? Maybe just maybe it wasn't God's will for that to happen anyway. So, okay, all those things will stop me. But you know, those things will stop you if it doesn't happen the first time. But you've got to, Jesus teaches us to be persistent, to be bold, not to give up. Okay, bottle fly to the ceiling in Jesus' name. Okay. Do you see that? Look, it's even standing up now. It's <laughs> he wants to go. Because of time, one more time. Bottle fly to the ceiling in Jesus' name. We have time, I keep going. We're gonna stop now. The point of this is this, right? Unless you let go of the bottle, you will never know, and right. you'll never see the bottle fly. One day the bottle will fly and I'll see it. Why? Because I'm letting go of it. You've got to keep going, you've got to keep trying, you've got to believe. One day I will see the bottle fly, it will fly. When it does fly, it'll be the last time I ever do it. Because people will be coming to these meetings for the wrong reason. So I'm getting more biased when it doesn't. Anyway, we're going to finish it. I'm so sorry for the time. Right? Um, Should we just pray? Father, I just thank you for tonight. I'm sorry for the time. Father, thank you for your presence here. And I pray for everyone here for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, rest upon them. Even tonight, as they sleep, you'll speak to them, God. You'll speak deeply into their spirit, their soul their emotions, their mind, their body, I pray for, you would encourage them, you would fire them up, I pray that the, God, that your holy fire would begin to burn within, deep within, that your love would encompass us, God, that you would first us afresh in your spirit, God, that we'd come back tomorrow, Lord, in, in, with great anticipation, with faith and expectation, God, of, of seeing uh, just your wonders of your kingdom, and people coming to know you, people coming, uh, being touched by the love of Jesus, God. We're so looking forward. Thank you for the privilege of acknowledging you before me. Thank you at this time, God. I ask for your peace and presence yeah. to rest upon each one, and for safe journey home wherever they're there, from, God. Would you would you just uh, just increase your presence, upon yeah. our lives, Father? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.